Hey, I'm Mary. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to The Fly Angle, the official RDU Airport podcast. Welcome back to episode two of The Fly Angle. We are so excited. We had some great feedback from our previous episode, our first pilot. The response was really positive across the airport and externally. I know you're thrilled about it. Yeah, we got a ton of great feedback from you guys. Uh, It sounds like uh, we should have done this podcast sooner, huh? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) We're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But we also wanted to share a little bit about you and I. You know, we're part of a team of four, the Communications, Government, and Community Affairs Department. I am Mary Griffith, and I'm the Director of Community Affairs. So I do a lot in my role reaching out to the community, connecting people with the airport, being responsive to our community needs, both our internal community as well as our external community. So I'm Jake Potter. I'm the Director of of internal communications. And what that means at the airport is a lot of different things. One of my jobs is to make sure that the airport staff is getting the news that they can use right when they need it. That also means that you might hear from me on social media. So we have pretty popular social media accounts. If you're not following at RDU Airport on Twitter and Facebook or at FlightRDU on Instagram, I hope you will follow them. So you'll see both uh, myself and Mary on, on our social media accounts on a on a daily basis. Absolutely. We've got a lot of followers. We definitely want you to join in in that followership. And um, Jake, it's that time of year. We're preparing for the holidays. Thanksgiving is on the way. Yeah. This is uh, the most fun time of year to work at an airport, huh? It is. You know, and even in spite of this pandemic that we're facing, we're still seeing people return to travel slowly but surely, particularly in the leisure market, like we, we mentioned in the first episode. So we're excited to embark on that and see your faces as you return to go visit your loved ones. Yeah, especially with the increase in leisure travel that we've seen in the recent weeks in the the context of COVID, that means that something like the Thanksgiving holiday that's coming up for us uh, it's going to be a lot of leisure travel. So a lot of people going to see friends and family. So that's that's a fun time of year for Absolutely. us to be here. Don't forget, all the resources that you need are on our website, rdu.com. We really want you to feel confident when you return to travel. So if you have not already visited the website, you can find out all the airline information, what they're doing, face covering that's still mandated. We want you to show up and be prepared to fly soon. Very much. So we had a lot of great listener feedback after our first episode, and we're really excited about that because that means we get to do a new segment called Airmail. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into the Airmail segment for episode two. Our first question comes from Roshan, who is a student at Alston Ridge Middle School here in Cary. Roshan asks, what do you love about your jobs and what made you work at the airport? And what do you think are some benefits of working at an airport? Wow, that's a pretty great question. I think one of the things that fascinates me most about my job is the number of operations that are occurring at RDU on a daily basis. And I mean everything from the air traffic control to our LE and fire rescue to communications to the folks that are in revenue and development to air service. And I feel like I'm constantly learning. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the thing for me that makes it so exciting for, for, for me to work here is that we get the chance to be the front porch for the Research Triangle and even for North Carolina. So if somebody's coming to North Carolina for the first time, for example, we're the very first impression that they have. I think the people who work at RDU definitely all feel that way. There's a sense that we want to make sure that we're giving that first impression. So when you step off of the aircraft and you're walking through the gate and through the terminal, you're getting to see a really beautiful airport. You're getting to see the gorgeous new Welcome to Raleigh sign as you go up the escalators to leave. Yeah, we take that really seriously. And I think it's really fun for everybody who works here from no matter what department you're in. I think they they love being the ambassador to the region. Agree. Our social media followers, too. Like we can give a big shout out to all those that that argue about Raleigh-Durham. You know, 
or at the official RDU, you know, the city that is Raleigh-Durham International Airport. (laughs) So our next listener mail is from Kyle. He's a ninth grader at Seaforth High School in Pittsburgh. Kyle asks, when I was listening to the first podcast episode, I came up with an idea for an episode. That idea is the future of RDU and Vision 2040. And also maybe the past of RDU, even if airlines prefer RDU and and like us. Kyle's example was, you know, somebody like Southwest. Good idea, Kyle. I think we should definitely do an episode about Vision 2040. Certainly the COVID-19 pandemic has changed a lot of what we want to do from a capital investment and infrastructure standpoint. But Vision 2040 is our flight plan for the future. And we are excited about what's next for RDU and, and how that's changing uh, you know, by, by the month and by the year. So, so I think that's a great idea for an episode. What do you think? Absolutely. And you know, Kyle sounds like a leader, future leader, if he's not already. And one of the things we do as leaders is adapt, right? And, and as you're being innovative, you have to adapt to the circumstances. And I think one of the things that we prided ourselves on Vision 2040 about was it, it was created to be amenable or flexible with growth and with change. And so I think we're well positioned to recover from the this pandemic and to plan for the future looking ahead. So be on the lookout, Kyle, for Vision 2040 details and information about the future of RDU. Yeah, we might have to put you to work. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Top in the headlines this month, we were really excited to report that J.D. Power has ranked RDU ninth among large airports in its 2020 North America Satisfaction Survey. This is the second year in a row, Jake, that RDU has ranked among J.D. Power's top 10. The study actually measures overall traveler satisfaction. So we're really excited that our travelers find great satisfaction flying through and to RDU. Yeah, that's really exciting. We are very particular about providing that traveler experience. In fact, if you look on our website, our mission is to provide a a world-class airport experience. And and so that that makes us feel good that people are are seeing that kind of come to fruition. We want to make sure people know that that's what we're about. Very exciting news. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to new air service at RDU. We will see eight markets returning in November, including two international destinations. Jake was talking about this in the last episode. Cancun, Mexico, and Montego Bay, Jamaica. Coming Very back nice. on our map. I, I plan to go to at least one of those very <laughs> soon. I'm right we're, behind we're, you. We're well overdue for a nice vacation, right? So, uh, <laughs> I And I think that. most people out there would probably agree. I think you're going to continue to see some of these markets come back online. We've heard a lot about requests for the major domestic markets that we've traditionally served coming back online soon. And it's really interesting to follow which airlines are bringing dots back on the map soon, whether it's Southwest or whether it's American or even some of the ultra low cost carriers like Frontier, for example, that Frontier is really kind of bringing a lot of their service back quickly, keeping a very close eye on that because it's obviously something we're all very interested in. I'm definitely thanking JetBlue for those warm locations that we're looking forward to. Another update we wanted to share was that RDU recently established a terminal operations team. The role of that team is to ensure that stringent new cleaning and disinfecting protocols in the airport terminals are being met, and that team is now assisting passengers as they navigate through the journey from check-in, through TSA screening, during peak periods, and monitoring compliance. That's a big deal for us here at the airport. Yeah, I think the next time you come through RDU, you'll probably see them. They have uniforms now. They're out there talking with passengers uh, from a safe distance, of course, but they're not only making sure that people feel comfortable about flying, but they're also going and double-checking the work of our tenants and our airport staff to make sure that that safe experience is actually happening as it's supposed to. Definitely. 
Well, finally, already you hosted YouTube personality Jeb Brooks. Jake, I know you played a big role in this, so I know you're kind of dancing over there, but he recently recorded a segment at the airport with American Airlines on new health and safety measures. You can find that clip on Jeb's YouTube channel and, of course, on our website in our RDU newsroom. Yeah, we'll drop the link to that video in the uh, show notes for this episode. It was really cool how it turned out. Uh, Jeb was a wonderful guy to work with and uh, obviously is well-known in aviation circles and came to us wanting to work work more with RDU and he's based right in our backyard. He's in the triad area. So we loved having him out and the episode turned out really well and American was really awesome to work with and a lot of people have seen it. So if you haven't seen it yet, we'll drop that link in the show notes. You can check it out. Definitely. So we've had a lot of questions from listeners already about air service. We're really excited to have on this episode with us, our director of air service development, Kenneth Strickland. Kenneth, welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Hi, Kenneth. I think you joined the airport right around the same time that I did, and it's been great to be on this journey with you. Can you share a little bit with us about how you got started in air service? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, it's funny. It definitely was not a straight line, uh, at least compared to a lot of my colleagues in the industry. I actually had a career in uh, consumer market research for about 10 years prior to coming to the airport side. I was a political science undergraduate at uh, Texas Tech way, way back in the day. And I was really fascinated in sort of how people formed opinions and got really into the science of sort of uh, public opinion measurement, uh, survey research, that sort of thing. Uh, Ended up parlaying that into graduate school program at Ohio State where they sort of specialized in that. And uh, got out of grad school about the time that online surveys were becoming a thing. And so that was sort of the catalyst for a 10-year career in consumer market research, working across a variety of different industries, but a lot of experience in the travel sector, travel and leisure. I was a consultant for Caesars Entertainment for several years, worked with Norwegian Cruise Lines, uh, just a bunch of hotels and and restaurants and and what have you. And uh, strangely enough, in the midst of this sort of career and at a point to where I was still sort of, um, you know, thinking like, is this what I want to do forever? I ran into a job posting at the Tampa International Airport. They were looking to actually start their own in-house market research operation. It just sounded like a really incredible job. I, I've always uh, had a passion for aviation. I'm actually a instrument-rated private pilot. I've been flying since I was 16. Flying was my first love. Never really thought for a moment that I would end up working in aviation, and so uh, jumped on that opportunity. It was interesting. Uh, during my time there, I got to learn more about air service development, which I'll admit I didn't even know was a thing until I started working for for an airport. So when people ask me, you know, what what would sort of surprise people the most, uh, and I think it's usually that that's even a job that that somebody works to recruit airlines to a market. Uh, but it turns out that it is it's actually a very important job. So I was there in uh, Tampa, uh, all told, for six years. I ended up uh, taking over the role of Director of Air Service Development. But before that, I had the opportunity to study kind of and, and follow one of the best in the industry, a guy named Justin Meyer, who's now at the Kansas City International Airport. And he really sort of taught me the ropes because it's a very sort of data-driven engagement, but it's also very relationship-driven uh, as well. So it's it's a lot of fun. And then I, uh, as Mary mentioned, I joined RDU, uh, I think a little bit after her. Uh, that was September of uh, 2019. So I guess that, that means that I've been here 13, 14 months now. We're entering the holiday travel season, and we know that that means a lot of people are flying once again for the first time since the pandemic. Artie, you recently released some survey results that might surprise those folks, and you were at the head of that. I'd love to hear a little bit more about it. 
Yeah, yeah, it was a, a really fascinating exercise. A lot of the work, admittedly, that, I, that I've done over the course of my career has more or less started from just my own general interest in answering some research questions. Uh, so I had a lot of questions kind of early on during the coronavirus-related impacts to our industry. Kind of wanted to know who was flying, uh, what were people's general perceptions of the safety of flying, how did they feel, how did that vary by a variety of different factors related to a person's demographics or, or um, you know, uh, whether they travel for uh, work or for pleasure or, or what have you. I wrote this survey and we fielded it. We maintain a pretty large database of uh, parking customers. And so we were able to send that out to them. And uh, we're very fortunate to have a, a lot of our customers who were willing to take that survey and tell us how they felt. Some really fascinating things. Uh, and I wanted to test a few hypotheses I had. One of those was that um, I got the sense that that travelers were probably younger than what we would traditionally see and probably... Uh, the one the ones choosing to fly. Already. Right, exactly. Yeah, during the pandemic. Uh, and you could kind of see that even kind of walking around the terminal. You just notice that there was sort of a, a young vibe. And I think the, the idea got in my head that, well, maybe if younger people feel a little bit more immune from COVID, they might be more likely to travel. We generally did find that to be the case. Uh, we also found that who was traveling during the pandemic were people that don't typically travel a lot. So it was a lot of people that might travel once or twice a year. And really what we discovered, which was fascinating, is that these folks were largely leisure opportunists in the sense that, you know, they were able to jump on these $29 fares to Miami, for instance, you know, go down, have, have a great weekend because other people weren't traveling. And, and airfare was so cheap during the, the summer and it's, uh, you know, still more than 10% uh, less expensive uh, than it was a year ago. So I think that's kind of what we've seen over time. Some other really sort of interesting things, uh, we, we found that people's perception of their safety relative to COVID in general, but also the safety of flying was directly tied to whether or not they flew. So if you felt safer, you were more likely to fly. So experience dictated how their confidence level might have uh, reacted if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And, and particularly in the case, we um, we compared the results of people who had traveled during COVID and those who hadn't. Um, and we looked specifically, we talked to those people who had traveled and we said, well, how safe did you feel prior to taking your trip? And uh, we got some responses. This was done back in July. I think that sort of reflected the general sentiment there. People said, hey, I was a little bit concerned getting onto an airplane. What was really fascinating is that we also asked them, we said, okay, when your trip was done, and you know, how did that change your perceptions of safety? And then more often than not, for a majority of our respondents, they said, it actually made them feel safer uh, taking a trip. In fact, I've seen those same results in some other studies done by uh, outside entities that sort of reflect that too. One of the other things we found is that we've obviously engaged in a pretty extensive effort to tell people about the safety measures that we're incorporating here at RDU. We found that uh, among respondents who said that they recalled hearing about uh, those efforts, they reported feeling safer about traveling and thus were actually more likely to travel than those who hadn't heard about that at all. So it really sort of showed the causation there that if we can get the message out there, people make people feel more confident. They were more likely to get on a plane and then after they took that first trip, they ended up feeling safer and were more likely to repeat that travel in the future. We're really celebrating that feedback. You know, on Jake and my side of the house, from a communication standpoint, we've really pushed out the Fly Confident, Fly RDU campaign. So a great intersection, again, of your experience and background in marketing and research and then air service development. You're able to kind of take a little bit of each of the different parts of your profession and merge them all into one so that collectively you're giving us some really valuable input to shape the traveler experience. We've been able to share that with our uh, airline partners. I will say we were one of the only airports that do that type of research. One of the great things about working in this industry is that we're very collaborative with our other airline colleagues and airport colleagues, rather. And so that study actually got around quite a bit. And uh, we've gotten some really good feedback from both the airlines and other airports. Back to air service development for a moment. Who are the people that are typically involved in recruiting a new flight or even a new airline to an airport like RDU? 
you know, obviously, uh, you know, my role as a director of air service development is, is critically important. In my position, I get to work almost as an intermediary between the airlines and then uh, not only RDU and, and the airport community, but also just the general community, business leaders, local elected leaders, economic development of folks as well. So my role is really a, kind of a sales role in, in, in a large in large part. Um, but I do work, you know, very closely with our director of properties. You know, sometimes the position's called director of real estate and some other airports. And that's the person who, you know, once I'm able to get an inter uh, interested airline through the door or to have that sort of second conversation, she's the person that then talks through logistically, what does this look like? You know, what are you, what are you thinking you're going to do? What type of aircraft are you going to bring into the market? How many ticket counter spaces do you need? All those logistical things that, and questions that I, I'm not capable of answering because my focus is more on how many passengers can we get on this flight and uh, how much how much money can the airline eventually make what are the yields so it's really a team effort and then as we go further along we start bringing in more folks so for instance our operation team becomes critical to um, you know, understanding where the air aircraft are going to go. And, sure, the, yeah. la the last mile kind of right. kind of effect. Right, exactly. And I, and I will say that's where the really difficult and challenging work is done and, you know, making it all sort of pan out. Unfortunately, I've passed that on at that point. My job is relatively easy on the front, <laughs> and, and I let them do the, do the hard work. You talked a little bit about some decision makers. What role does the community play in recruiting airlines? Do they play a role in that decision? Uh, they should if you're if you're doing it right. And the communities I think that do air service development the best are the ones that incorporate uh, those community leaders and stakeholders. You know, the, the air service development uh, sales process, if you will, is just heavily data driven. It's not an emotional decision at all to bring an airplane into a market. I can sit there all day and point to our breweries and, and how great the weather is here, and we've got the mountains and the beaches. But at the end of the day, it's how many passengers can we get on this plane and how how much are they going to spend uh, to fly there? And, and that requires a level of data that uh, the airlines, you know, may not have access to. And in large cases, they don't. And so um, my role is also to go out into the community uh, to build those relationships with these partners that can then provide that information. Um, so, for instance, you know, one of the, the best assets of our community in terms of economic development is obviously our uh, sort of business sectors and the, the areas we're focused on. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times it's through, um, you know, the organizations they're already working with. So, for instance, we first reach out to the Chambers of Commerce uh, because they have those relationships and uh, they can share data, uh, you know, pretty quickly. And they're a great resource for us. The economic development organizations, so at the state level, at the regional level. Um, so a lot of times they're the conduits that we then sort of, you know, get connected to these companies. And, and the cool thing is that I've generally found that these companies in our market have been tremendously helpful and willing to help and provide their resources uh, to aid that effort because they understand that um, you know more access only benefits their business, the region, and their uh, employees, not just for you know business travel, but also, also to visit friends and family and, and vacation. Kenneth, who are the decision makers on the airline side? It's interesting. It's kind of a layered approach on the airline side. And I generally work directly with uh, network planning. Um, so network planning tends to be uh, very analytics driven, um, you know, folks, a lot of them are, are MBAs or have a, a background in economics and statistics. And that's primarily who I work with. And they're kind of the gatekeepers because they're going to determine whether or not a, a potential flight that you're pitching has any real sort of chance of success. So I could go in there and I, I could pitch them, you know, the most random uh, market and say, you know, you, you guys should really serve this market. And we could very quickly see that, you know, um, there's an average of one person that travels there, you know, a month. Uh, from RDU, and that's not very feasible. So I've got to bring sort of good data and a solid case, and hopefully one, um, you know, if they haven't seen it before, that, that becomes engaging. 
uh, to them. So that's kind of the first point of contact. And then it sort of moves uh, within the organization there. So it may go to, for instance, revenue, who uh, at the airline level will kind of forecast, okay, you know, what type of yields could we make on this route? Uh, what type of profit are we talking about? There are other folks in network planning that look at um, how the flight operates within the system, right? So a lot of times, for instance, if you look at you know, RDU's Paris flight, most of those passengers aren't getting off in Paris, they're connecting to other markets, whether it's uh, South, South Asia, Africa, other places in, in Europe, for instance. Uh, and those passengers are vital for the success of that flight. You know, we probably couldn't sustain just an O and D flight. We call them uh, origin and destination flight, meaning sure. that people just get off in Paris and, and that's it. You kind of need those connecting structures. And and that's the case at the domestic level, too. A lot of times you need passengers to be able to move beyond certain points. I didn't realize there was so much behind that. So, you know, if I'm considering adding service, it's not just the number of people who want to travel to a destination or from a destination on a given day. It's everything from the gate availability and the infrastructure of the airport to all of the, the underlying economics underneath each of those decisions on a daily basis. That's really fascinating. Yeah, you know, it, and it's a lot of fun, too, because I think once you reach that sort of decision point, it, it, in a lot of cases, it's, you know, there's one aircraft and there may be five airports that are pitching for a market. And then it gets really sort of granular in terms of the data. So what are the costs at the airport? What type of potential incentive are you offering for me to to operate this flight? Um, you know, what unique data do you have that, that the other airports haven't brought to the table? Uh, and in a lot of cases, too, um, you know, it's, it's very helpful to be in a market such as the Triangle region where you can look at the growth that we've had over the last decade. Um, the industries that we're heavily involved in are the same ones that are forecast to kind of recover the quickest, you know, when we eventually reach an end of COVID. So those are all data points that work in our favor. Yeah. So you've, you've, brought, you've brought us to today. And I think one of the questions that a lot of people have um, in 2020, you know, that the COVID-19 pandemic has created a lot of instability, I can imagine, in planning new flights or service. How has COVID changed what you do? One of the uh, the first tasks that I was given when I uh, started here at RDU was to update our five-year air service development strategy. And so um, most airports work off of this strategy where we identify, you know, hey, over the next five years, here are the routes that I think we should probably add or at least try to add to our market. Um, here are the opportunities, potential new entrant carriers that we should go after. Uh, and, and all of your actions are sort of uh, sort of occur under the umbrella of this policy. So, so I completed that, I think, in February, and I, I, I believe within like two weeks or so, it was completely obsolete, um, which was sad. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like a 120-page document. I, I'd done the graphics uh, design of it myself. I was actually really proud of it. Uh, and, and I think maybe three people have seen it. So, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's there prepared. Right, exactly. Um, you know, but on the flip side, too, so, um, you know, we've got to sort of uh, be nimble and, and evolve, you know, based on the change, change of the Absolutely. industry. Yeah, and it's um, you know, it's it's kind of weird to say this. Uh, in some ways, it's kind of exciting for my role because opportunities that may not have existed in the past now, every, you know, we're kind of starting from a blank slate in a lot of ways. You know, and, it, and it's a challenging, obviously, because there are folks in our industry who've you know lost their job or have been furloughed. And of course, you know, I could see your point. I mean, just the the shift from from business to leisure is probably creating not just for RDU, but really just any airport is creating not 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 just instability, but even some opportunity, whether that's with low-cost carriers or targeting different types of travelers, would-be travelers, I could see how that would be an interesting endeavor to go on. 
you know, if you look at one of the dynamics that's occurring here at RDU is that we've seen, you know, Delta was our largest uh, carrier by passenger share last year. And we've benefited because we were, uh, you know, and are a Delta Airlines focus city. As is common during, you know, these events, you know, mainline carriers such as Delta American, United will pull back some of that point to point flying and they want to route passengers through hubs because it's just very efficient for them to do that. Uh, for moving crew around their operations, for having, you know, aircraft that always hit a hub, particularly if you're doing, you know, special cleaning measures. So we've seen, you know, some some fairly sizable capacity cuts, um, just specifically if you look at, at Delta. Um, but on the flip side, this this industry always sort of evolves and opportunities are found. And so we have airlines that are, you know, looking at some of those markets and saying, hey, maybe there's an opportunity for, for me to jump in there. Before you go, there's one question I'm asked often, and I'm going to ask you because you're the expert sure. in this area, and you alluded to it a little while ago. Should people try to buy tickets to different locations because they're cheaper now during this this pandemic period, or are prices starting to climb back up? I haven't seen any evidence that, that fares are going up at this point. It's still a great opportunity, um, you know, to travel, and you know, early indications are that we'll probably see a bump during the the holiday period. Uh, I think the the airlines are very optimistic. Obviously, the the industry right now is a little bit smaller. We um, have fewer airplanes and fewer crews operating aircraft, but we kind of need those bumps and we need increased confidence. You know, what's nice is we're seeing a steady increase in year over year traffic levels. Um, you know, we get the TSA numbers every week and it's been trending up. It's just, you know, it's a slow increase, but I think people are, are finding that, you know, going back to the survey that we mentioned, we actually fielded that survey again, the same exact questions last week. Uh, and I'm actually still going through that data to sort of see kind of what, you know, what the responses are. But at first glance, it's interesting. People are telling us that they feel safer now traveling than they did when we surveyed in July, which is fascinating because we are, you know, technically, you know, in in a rise of cases. We're, we're going back through another um, increase. Obviously, it's a function of a lot of things. People are getting stir crazy. Uh, but there's been a lot of great data out there that sort of, you know, explains why it's uh, why it's safe to, to travel an aircraft and, and how the, the air moves around an airplane. Uh, and, and why it's safer than a lot of other things that we're probably doing without thinking about it. Kenneth Strickland, thanks for joining us today. It's always a pleasure. I can't believe that I get paid to talk about airlines and, and airplanes all day and because uh, I certainly enjoy it and, and really enjoying my time here at RDU. Even with everything going on, it's, it's still a lot of fun and an exciting and dynamic environment. All right. That was a jam-packed episode, Mary. It was. <laughs> We've got some fun segments coming together for future episodes, so we hope that you will take a minute to subscribe to The Fly Angle. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and even YouTube. Or you can go to rdu.com slash theflyangle. And don't forget to keep sending us your airmail questions. Email us at communications at rdu.com, and we might include you in an upcoming episode. In the meantime, you can find out what's happening at the airport at rdu.com or follow us on social media using at rdu airport. Sounds good to me. Till next time. We'll see ya.